Aloha, everybody. Those of you guys who have been following me for quite a while, it's been a journey from 2016 doing this podcast. I have always been interested in the financial blog sphere podcast space. It was early when I started to read all these financial blogs. Back then, it was silly things like which credit card you would get, and you could get these 6% rewards checking accounts. What I would do is I would get these balance transfer offers, stick 30 to 40 grand in the bank with all these business and personal credit cards, balance transfers at 0%, and make the arbitrage of my 6% rewards checking account as I would go to the bank at 20 degrees outside and ring up 12 transactions at the gas station. Those are the days where I just would waste my time because money was more valuable than time at that time. Probably around 2010, I ventured into the travel hacking community a little bit. I went to one of these seminars. Didn't really enjoy the people because a lot of those people are very scarcity mindset. They collect points, they burn up their time. It's a hobby, I get it. It's fun. It's like playing an RPG game, getting points on a video game, but for real life, getting miles on different airlines and using those airline miles in different ways. I know a lot of you guys are into that because if you guys don't get credit card points or miles, you guys don't spend the money on nice vacations and whatever I can do to get you guys to get those experiences in life. That's the point of today's show is to bring on a travel hacking expert. And if this is new to you guys. I think it'll be a good primer of some of our ode to the sport of travel hacking. Maybe even away, I think this would be a good refresher. What's the newest uh, stuff to be on the lookout for? But if you guys haven't yet, join our club at simplepassivecashflow.com slash club. We don't bite. It's free. I don't know why you haven't jumped in and hung out with us yet. We are going to be doing the annual retreat in January, I hope. But enjoy the show. This is a story about a dude named Lane. Then one day he went and tried to rent them out. And then he became one Hey, Simple Passive Cashflow listeners, today we are going to be talking to the creator of GeoBreezeTravel.com and sync up on what's been happening lately in the travel hacking industry. You guys are probably wondering why I'm wearing this like weird shirt and I'm not in my normal white colored shirt attire. We just closed the deal in Huntsville and this is their minor league baseball team going up near one of our apartments. It's uh, Trash Pandas. My dog's name is Panda. It's not Trashed Pandas. It's Trash Pandas. But this little stupid panda bear right here is going to make me a lot of money because we're going to shake in there at Huntsville. I wanted to introduce Julia on, on the line here. Hi, everybody. How are you? I'm excited to be here today. I think a lot of people listening, they used to be you know, into financial blogs. Maybe they've moved on as life has gotten busy as their network has grown buying rentals, going into syndication deals. But my, I can speak for myself. I selfishly brought you on here because you're a channel hacking expert and I've been out of the game for quite some time. I remember over 10 years ago, I went to a FTU, was it Frequent Travel University or something like that, conference. And I was like into all this, getting all these credit cards, getting points. Back then you could get like 0% uh, balance transfer and then throw them into a 6% savings account and just churn it that way. But to give people a little bit of like high level, what are we talking about travel hacking? For anybody who's not familiar with travel hacking at all, it's a way that you can get free travel or a lot of cash back if you want, just by leveraging the loyalty programs that are set by credit card companies or airline companies 
or hotel companies. And if you're not aware, there are dozens of different credit card options and different loyalty programs out there. And it's all about how to strategically approach the game so that you can meet the travel goals that you want. You can get the travel that you want for almost free, very close to next to no cost, while just learning to play the game and plan strategically, which I think a lot of people in your audience obviously do as they're researching different real estate and different passive income opportunities. Yeah, and I think the people listening there are like myself, optimizers, and this whole travel hacking thing, you're literally collecting points, and then you have to figure out where to cash in those points at the highest value. And it's like a video game. It really is addicting. It can be a time suck. Maybe let's start off with, you have a list here of some highest and or biggest bang for your buck type of um, tactics. What's at the top of your list, Julia? It's not a game just for how to use the points, but also even how to bring in those points. And so my number one advice to people is, well, I have a few. The first is the best travel hack is finding friends who can show you even more travel hacks because so many people do it the very unoptimized way of, I'm going to watch 14 hours of YouTube videos and read blogs. But really, if you just join a community, whether it's on Instagram or a Facebook group or something. I host different hangouts. If you just find somebody who's already into this kind of thing, like you went to the Frequent Traveler University Conference, it speeds it up so much if you can just ask your questions there. Secondly, if you're like, I really just don't wanna interact with people, how do I do this quickly on my own? My advice is to work backwards. So some people will make the mistake of researching different cards and saying, I'm going to get a Chase card and then an Amex card and then a City card, a Hilton card, a Marriott card, a United card. Then I'm going to figure out what to do with all of those. And that's a really inefficient way to go about it. Where instead, I would recommend start with the goal that you have in mind for free travel and work backwards from there. So if you're telling yourself, okay, I want a free trip to New York City and I currently live in Hawaii. Here are the airlines that fly from Hawaii to New York City. I want to stay in this area of Manhattan. Here are the different hotels that are servicing in that area. Here's how many points I would need to get that free flight and to get however many nights in the hotel for free. And then here are the credit cards that can earn me kinds of points that can actually be transferred correctly to that airline or that hotel. Then it really narrows down how many things you actually have to research and figure out and how many points you need to get in the exact currency that you need it in, rather than just shooting all over the place in the dark. Make some travel hacking friends and also work backwards to get to your goal faster. And then at some point you have to get some credit cards, right, with a bunch of points. I think a lot of people in our sphere we know about the old Chase Sapphire Reserve card, but is that one the best today or what are the cool kids using? If you are a very beginner, like this is the first you've ever heard about this, the most popular beginner card these days is the Chase Sapphire Preferred. And as of yesterday or two days ago, March 21st, they just increased the sign-up bonus to 80,000 points instead of 60,000 points. That's worth more than $1,000 in travel credit. So Chase Sapphire Preferred is one of the most popular ones for beginners these days. We always recommend start with your Chase cards instead of starting with American Express or another family like that because of something called the 5 over 24 rule which says that if you have already opened five or more accounts with any carriers in the last five years, Chase is just going to reject you if you apply with a Chase card. So it's good to get the Chase cards out of the way first 
And then you can move on to American Express that doesn't have this rule. You can move on to City Cards, Bank of America, something else like that. Good advice. I, I have a love and hate relationship with Chase. I do the trade line hooking thing where I kind of piggyback authorized users of my cards. People want to learn more about it, go to my uh, com slash trade line. I have a little e-course on that. But Chase canceled all my cards, so I have none of them. Phenomenal rewards credit cards. So great place to start there. Why did they cut off all of your lines? Too many authorized users? Yeah, it was getting a little ridiculous. I was turning people a lot quicker than I do these days. And I don't know, I applaud them. It's good that you see a company actually has checks to make sure that there's no weird activities such as mine. So I think it's good business. I know it sucks for me, but I applaud Chase for doing that. It shows that they have their S together. How many points did you lose when they shut you down? I think at the time, I think I lost my Southwest points, 200,000 points, and, which goes to show, right? Savers are losers, just like people with all this equity in their house or the bank. There is a strategy called churn and burn, where, or earn and burn, where you're earning points really quickly. And then you want to use them quickly as well. You don't want, just want a whole bunch of points sitting there in your account not being used because a lot of airlines will devalue their awards programs. And so if you just have hundreds of thousands of points sitting there and you're thinking, okay, like around the world trip or something is going to cost 200,000 points. And then the next year they're like, oh, now it costs 250,000 points and your points were just sitting there and never used. Those aren't going to accrue interest on points. You have to earn them and then burn them pretty regularly. So you want a high cash flow game. Yeah, I was being possible. an idiot. I don't know what I was doing. I just want to see the points go up. Again, that's why I was thinking about A lot of people who are in this hobby are really frugal and they're just like savers by nature and they don't like to go out and spend the points. But it's not like money. You don't save these points until retirement or something. You want to earn the points, know how you're going to use them, and then know how to get more points. Yeah, I was like that precious guy in Lord of the Rings with my points. But yeah, so how do we use them? What is the biggest bang for our buck to using these points once we get above a couple hundred thousand points or so? There's a lot of different sweet spots that you can use for these points. I would say you should definitely learn about transfer partners. A lot of people, once they get the Chase cards, they just always go through the Chase travel portal. And then you're going to get a set amount there where it's maybe two cents per point or something. But if you can figure out how to transfer them to the different transfer partners, you can get a lot more bang for your buck there. One of the more advanced tricks, for example, if you were to Google United Excursionist Perk, you can book some kind of triangle itinerary, let's say from New York to London to Paris back to New York. And that middle leg is going to be free for United. And so you can super hack that in different ways where I had a hangout and a meetup last night with some people who listen to my podcast and I showed them a trick where you can do two little domestic flights. It's only going to cost 10,000 points total. And then you just get a free flight across Africa or something. And you save yourself thousands of dollars if you learn the different redemption sweet spots that way. Once you're getting into that type of stuff, to me, it gets a little freaking complicated, right? Like all this like field dumping and all these tricks like that. At some point, is it at what point does it make sense for someone to just hire somebody like yourself to book that trip for you? And how much do those things take costs, I guess? Yeah, so I would say if you're the kind of person where you really like watching YouTube videos and really like reading about award charts and learning about fuel surcharges and all those transfer partners, some people really enjoy it. If you're that person, 
go ahead and spend the 14 hours doing DIY. <laughs> if you're like, I really just need to get this free trip and I don't know where to start, definitely hire somebody like me or a travel hacking coach. And I do 30 minute free calls all the time just to get people on the right track. And I say, okay, here's your rough plan. Please use my credit card links. That's how I get affiliate income. Or if they want to actually hire me to do a full 12 month structured plan to say, okay, each month I'm going to check in with you. This is the card that you should get. Here's where you should be just to stay on track and meet the sign up bonuses because that's where most of your points are going to come from. I do that as well. And as far as how much it costs right now, I charge 125 for my coaching package for 12 months. And that includes two video calls and a monthly check-in for a year, just to make sure you're staying on track with the credit card plan that we put together so that you can earn the most points. And then you're not floundering around and being like, I don't know what card to get. And I don't know how to use these points once I earn them. So those are the kinds of things that I help people with. Yeah. So this is makes makes sense for someone like myself. Like I have a halfway decent amount of points. I think I need help on the back end. Like I kind of know what cards to go and get. I can, I love to DIY because I've been doing trade line hacking and I'm always trying to get new cards because after a couple years and I can start trade line hacking. So I get that. But where my big blind spot is, I don't know how to use the points. So to go someone like yourself and just be like, all right, I have 150,000 points. Here's where I like to go. Can you just book my flight for me? That's what card currency is it with? Is it American Express? Uh, I think that my American Express, I try and stay with the cash back cards on that okay. one. But I think I, I have a halfway decent amount of like air, airline. I fly a lot to Dallas, so I have like 160,000 with them. I've got like 80 with United and then some with Alaskan and some. And I'm actually quite a bit with Delta too. But I never get enough to. Here, here's my problem I'm always traveling for like business. So I'm always writing it off. So I never really travel like 100% personally yet. I haven't done that in quite a while, but that's where I would like to use my points because I can't deduct the price of that flight. But I'm just thinking like most things, you hire the expert and you're going to get the biggest bank for my book for those points and then hotels too. And then maybe tell me how you look at like, all right, Lane's got all these points. What would you do? How would you book my itinerary for me? Rather than saying, okay, we have all of these different points, let's see what to do with them. That's a position we're in now. So I could figure out an itinerary that way. But if it's somebody who's just starting out, I would say, avoid that situation. And then instead say, where would you like to go on your yeah, personal you don't want to be like me. Back? You're like, what do I do? I have some Delta points. I have some United points. So we could figure out something like that and look at different routing maps and say, okay, here's some sweet spots if you wanted to go to this city. But really the best points to start off with are the super flexible ones, the chase points, because they transfer to 28 different people, I think. And then American Express is really good too. I really like the American Express points because the membership rewards points can be transferred to ANA Airlines through Japan. And they have a program where you can fly around the world in business class for, let's say, 125,000 points or so. It, it might vary a little bit, but 125,000 points, which is two credit card signups. You get one Amex Platinum, one Amex Gold. You have enough points for this. And you can fly around the world like and stop in eight different cities all in business class for just that so those are the kinds of sweet spots that i can show people how to do and it's very easy you don't have to do 17 different cards which i think some people fall into that trap of if you don't know how to do the award side of it you're suddenly having to open a whole bunch more cards and spend a lot more effort to get the same kind of redemption and i tell people like i'm like a recovering 
Google Cheapo. There's two things that I'm fascinated with these days. That's Ford Raptors, these big monster trucks, and YouTube videos of people in first class, like Singapore Airlines, Emirates. And I don't know why, but I think it's really cool. And I, you can get like, how much points do you need to have that kind of experience? And because those are like ten thousand dollar flights, right? Oh yeah, they go for more than ten thousand dollars. So it completely depends how far you are flying. I've seen them go for as low as thirty thousand points for the one-way short segment. If you just wanted to do a trans-European flight or something from like Paris to Greece, if it was six out or five hours or so, you can probably find some good sales for thirty thousand points, which is half of a credit card sign-up most times. Yeah. Because I'm here in Hawaii, and I, I understand how you use the, the American carriers, but I think where I would need your help would be like the foreign carriers, like the Emirates and ANA. Like, how do those? How do I get on use my points of those way better carriers? So I would say definitely research the Star Alliance transfer partners, and you can go through Chase with a lot of those. I like to search for award availability on United.com. It's probably the most user friendly, and then you can also see. The different transfer partners with United. If you're trying to say, okay, if I want to fly from Hawaii to yeah Tokyo, that's probably going to be ANA Airlines, which you would want American Express points to transfer to that. But if you wanted to do like Cathay Pacific or something through Hong Kong down into India or something like that, then you could transfer some Chase points over. You could do some research on Star Alliance. So it, it involves knowing a little bit about the different routes and the transfer partners and also where you want to go. Yeah, so they're used, what's the website that everybody's using these days for all the route maps and stuff like that? Or they, do they just go to United or American or Delta? I personally just use United and then I try to see what transfer partners are available from there. There used to be a site called awardhacker.com that you could use to try to figure out the routing maps. It's not that good. Honestly, it just ever since the pandemic, all of the routes have changed. They haven't been able to update their website because the routes keep changing so often. So I would almost say instead of a website, find a person who can help you with these types of things. I link to all different kinds of people who do this kind of work in my podcast where I interview travel hackers from all walks of life who are able to get super cool to redemptions. What's the, what's the coolest experience you've gotten because of points? Yeah. So. One of the coolest ones I got was super easy. I have a Hilton card where I got a free night certificate that I could use in any Hilton hotel in the world, pretty much. So of course, the next question was, what is the most expensive hotel where I can use this? And it was at the Grand Wailea in Maui, which starts at $500 a night. And it's so fancy. Have you been there since you're in Hawaii? I've seen it. I don't go anywhere near because it it probably costs like locals like 50 bucks to park your damn car. So I stay clear of those places. It's super expensive, <laughs> but I had a Hilton free night. And not only did I get the free night with a standard room, but I wrote to the hotel in advance and said, hey, if you have any upgrades available, I have status with Hilton. Could you do me a solid and upgrade me to a room? And they ended up upgrading us to a $900 a night suite for free. And it was overlooking the ocean, it had a balcony, and it came with free breakfast, it came with free dinner. They wheeled in a cart of all these local Hawaiian snacks and champagne, and it was incredible. Probably saved $1,000 just off of that one night and just had one credit card that did this. 
And so if you want to, I can make a link for your listeners on where to get that email template that I use. Oh, the yeah, that I, I, have. I download that from your website. Uh, yeah, we can put, we'll put the show notes on simplepassivecashflow.com slash credit card. Um, and then we'll link to your website so people can download that. But this is the cool thing. Like you had this like template of what you email hotels to get like all the free goodies and stuff like that. It's kind of reminds me of if you Google the $100 trick in Las Vegas or or $20 trick. I think it's now $100, but you tip the guy. Well, you stick $100 and then they might give you an upgrade. This one doesn't yeah. cost any money. This is just a, hey, I'm celebrating a special occasion. If you have any availability, here's my reference number for my confirmation. Here's my loyalty number. And so it's just the information to provide hotels to make it as easy for them as possible to make a mark on your hotel reservation and say, oh, yep you're here now, we do have an upgrade so that they're ready for you. Especially do this if you're celebrating a honeymoon or an anniversary or something, because the hotels really do want to be nice to you, but it's almost just rude to show up and be like, we're on our honeymoon, scramble now and get it figured out for us with an upgrade. Where if you're being a little bit considerate, giving them some time to figure this out, email them a week ahead or something so that they can make some arrangements for you and they're not scrambling the yeah, minute like that you arrive. Systems then, and processes. Yes, it's so much nicer for the hotel too because then they're not scrambling. It's nicer for you because it increases the probability that you're going to get an upgrade. So have these processes in place. Templates are great. Any other thing, cool trick like that you want to share with folks? That was a good one. Yeah, what else? Really, the other one is just connect with other people. And there's so many free places to do this. There's Facebook groups where you can ask people different tricks. I have my free 30-minute calls. I have monthly hangouts every month where all of us will just ask questions of each other and then group think ways to hack things and it's like five dollars to join and i really only charge money to keep away people who don't care at all so that the people who had to pay at least a little bit will actually pay attention and use the advice that we give so is those travel, are some of travelhacker.com or that website or like those credit card websites those forms so good i know what was another one that i used to use that wallet went away. I haven't been on any of these. I always just connect with individual people who run these websites. There's there's somebody called Pack Your Bag With Points. He runs a Patreon where he tries different credit card techniques and does different experiments and then lets us know which ones will get you in trouble and which ones work. There's a guy who runs a website called Straight To Points and he is like really into researching all of these award charts and then has a paid newsletter where he just searches for award availability and he's there are two first class seats on these different flights go grab them and so you he just spends his time searching for these award availabilities and then emails his email list about them so those are some ways to get the next level hacks is probably like something you pay a little bit of money for you're going to get a lot of savings from yeah yeah and that's a good technique guys like just don't be a freeloader like, it's just a big difference between freeloaders and people that pay a minimal shows your appreciation. But let's let's end with this, like, travel hacking is sometimes connected with the dark side of the world, which is, like, manufactured spend. But can you mm -hmm. maybe just highlight what is that for people who don't know? Yeah, so manufactured spending, for anybody who doesn't know, is a way to maximize the number of points that you are turning through your credit card. So you're spending a lot of money, or it looks like you're spending a lot of money but really it's going straight back into your bank account 
So it's almost like this closed loop, but you're getting points for running things through the loop. And in the past, there have been different techniques to do this. One was when the US Mint used to sell gold coins for a dollar, you would buy a $1 gold coin with your credit card. They would mail you a bunch of gold coins and then you would just take them to the bank and redeposit them in the bank. So you were basically buying money and getting points for it. You can't do this anymore. You guys know but who so you are. You guys did it. I know you guys did it back in the day. Yeah, back in the day, that used to be a thing. So with manufacturer spending, there are all sorts of questionable things that people have done in order to turn all these points. I have multiple podcast episodes where people laugh at themselves about getting the police called on them. If you do enough weird gift card things, people will assume you stole the credit card or that you're money laundering or something like that. So it's sometimes associated with the dark side with manufacturer spending there. But I have a really good trick for everybody who's listening on how to do a manufacturer spending technique that I would actually encourage because it does good in the world rather than destroying things. So there is a website called kiva.com, K-I-V-A. And if you haven't heard of this, you can loan money to small businesses who need money for just a few months. And so you'll loan however much you want, $500, it could be less. I think it starts at $25. And then you loan some money with your credit card. So you get points for the loan. And then six to eight months later, they'll pay you back with PayPal. So you've redeposited that into your bank account. You have to float the money for a few months. But I do this all the time because I feel good about helping small businesses. I get points on the credit card. I never actually had to increase my budget in order to get those points. I just have to wait six months to get the money back. So that is a good way to turn a lot of points without spending way more money because some people, they get these credit cards and they're like, I'm just going to buy a whole bunch of like purses and shoes so that I can get more points. And that is not... I repeat, everybody, that is not how you should approach this game. Do not buy a whole bunch of stuff from Amazon that you do not want or need just to get points. Approach it strategically. Yeah. I just got a, a text message here from Bob. Bob wants to know what the interest rate on that Kiva loan. Yeah. So you don't make any interest. You just get paid back the principal amount. They do charge interest to the people who are borrowing, but that's how they do their operational costs. It's a good yeah. thing. You're doing a good thing and you get all the credit card points for it. So if you have to meet a minimum spend, like if you're earning 80,000 points for $4,000 of spend and you're like, well, I have $4,000 worth of spend to do. What am I going to do? And then you just loan out $4,000. Kiva. How, then how quickly do they pay you back? The shortest time is about six months. Okay. Because I got a card that does 2% for general stuff. I don't know if it does three or five too. For like just 2% back on everything? Yeah. I would say really it's only, I only do this if I'm meeting a minimum spend and don't have a good way to meet it. For just general everyday spend, if I'm like, okay, which card do I use for this? There is an app. It is called Card Pointers and it answers the simple question, what card do I use for this? So you just tell it all the different cards that you have and it will say, out of the cards that you have currently available in your wallet, this is going to be the best one to use for groceries, use this one for gas, use this one for gross, for restaurants, so Card pointers is a really good app for that. Yeah, I will actually use the Blue Cash preferred card, American Express, which gives me 6% back groceries. And I'll go and buy like $1,000 worth of Amazon gift cards and other random gift cards from Safeway. And I, to, I'm a little ashamed that's what I do. Oh, no, no shame. That's a really good strategy. It is a good idea if you're going to just buy a whole bunch of gift cards from the grocery like that to also actually mix it in with groceries so that you don't look like you're money laundering. Actually also buy groceries and charge those first. Make sure the first thing going onto your receipt is like a banana or a Cool, I feel accepted. 
is a safe place. Yes. Yes. No judgment. No, this is encouraged because this is how you actually optimize points and how you approach it strategically by saying, okay, if I have to go to Target anyway, rather than just getting my one point per dollar at Target, I should go to the grocery store, get six points per dollar on Target gift cards, then go spend those gift cards at Target. So some people are like, oh, it's really inconvenient to add in that extra step, but you can get so many more points that way if you figure out these additional steps that you can take. So what are you like, someone like yourself for, I have 20 credit cards. I think I got them all almost. Once you get to end game and you, there's really, you've gotten all the bonuses, right? For these new cards. What do you do? Is manufacturing spend your really only means to get points? No, because they're always coming out with new cards and new products. You can always close down a card and then get it again at some point in the future. So one of my first cards when I got into this four years ago was the Chase Sapphire Preferred. I used it for a couple of years, got some other cards, closed down my Chase Sapphire Preferred, and then I'm going to get it again in a couple months because you have to wait 48 months since getting the bonus last time. And so it'll be right at that four year mark. So then I'm just going to op- reopen a card that I already had before. And so if you're slowly turning through cards like that, you can keep sustaining the game. Plus, they're just always opening new cards. So you've got like a tracker on it, like a Asana four years later. You get a new that card. one's just burned into my mind because it was my first card. But there is a tool called travelfreely.com. And it's a really good calendar app where it will send you email reminders about when your minimum spend is going to be due about three months from opening the card. It'll send you calendar reminders and email reminders when it's about to be your one year anniversary with the card or any year anniversary with the card because your annual fee is going to come due. So you'll get an email that says, hey, do you still want to keep this card? If you do, you're going to get charged $95. If you don't want to keep the card, then you should close down the card. So, you, so you're, not doing, you're not doing any manufacturer spend yourself? Other than just keep it's mostly just Kiva. Yeah, but that's just for your minimum spends to get the bonuses. Yeah, just the minimum spends, and then also if any of the the cards are doing some kind of spending challenge, where if it has a special promo of this month, if you spend at least one thousand dollars, you will get an extra five thousand or fifty thousand points or something. Then like I didn't have anything planned for a thousand dollars, I'm just going to turn it through Kiva. So sometimes I do that. Yeah, two percent, two percent for six months, so four percent a year, tax-free, right? Because they don't tax you. They haven't yet taxed you on this stuff. I don't know if anybody's heard of this, but there was a couple that was churning through like three hundred thousand dollars in two years. Uh, they got cash back and through manufactured spending, and the IRS says they have to pay taxes on it. So keep that in mind. Don't go insane. Don't churn through $10,000 a day or anything like that. That's why I always encourage just do the Kiva thing if you need to meet some kind of minimum spend or else you could get eventually caught and have to pay taxes on it. But there are people who try to make that their living is just to churn through points in lots of different ways, some of them more legitimate than others, and grab the cash back for it and then they live off of that. But everybody who's listening to this might be thinking, oh, that sounds like a genius, like efficient thing to do. It is not. It is you are driving all over town to get gift cards to turn into money orders if your town even still allows this because it's very location dependent. And so you are driving all over town because no store is going to let you just buy $20,000 of gift cards. They're going to limit you to $500 or something each time. So it gets really inconvenient. You have to go back every day. And I think a lot of people when they're doing this game don't take into account how much their time is worth to be driving around the stress of doing this 
people do get their cards shut down. They get their bank account shut down. The same banks where they might have their mortgage. So that would be very unfortunate. You could get kicked out of your local Walmart or grocery store. They might just say you're not allowed to shop here anymore. And that would be very unfortunate. You could get the police called on you. That would also be very unfortunate. So I know I've been there too, because I'm very into the whole optimization, efficiency, productivity thing. And it seems like manufactured spending is like the next logical step where you're like, oh, I got a sign up bonus. This is the awesome hack. What's the next step? Is it manufactured spending? It is not. That is not the next step. The next step is learning how to strategically allocate things and how to learn award charts to optimize the redemption portion. That's the next piece is don't just keep trying to say, I'm going to earn as many points as possible. Spend time researching how to optimize the points that you are getting at a reasonable rate. Fun stuff. But yeah, I think once people get to a simple passive cash flow, they start to invest in more passive opportunities and get away from being the landlord. It's where I'm at in my life. Yeah, we're busy, but stuff is fun. So I'm trying to find that, get back in the game and trying to find that like minimum effective dose that 80-20 or maybe the 95-5 in this case where I can travel a bit more and have some extra stuff on the side. Um, it's perfect but... too for people who are into house flipping and real estate because if you have to go to Home Depot a lot or you have to go to Lowe's or really do anything with home improvement because you're doing real estate, you can get a ton of points that way just from buying different supplies and I don't know if anybody's maintaining an Airbnb or something like that. But it also opens you up to a whole bunch of the business credit cards, which are really lucrative when it comes to points. Yeah. So yeah, if you guys are going to spend the money, do it. But if you're not going to spend the money, again, don't make the transaction. I think we always have to end with that, that common sense. Yeah. Don't buy things that you don't need just to get points. Instead, strategically figure out how to get more points from what you're already spending and by doing things like the Kiva trade. Yeah, any last thoughts? And then you want to give your contact information out there? Sure. So you can reach me at julia at geobreezetravel.com. My website is geobreezetravel.com. My website is the geobreeze, or my podcast is the geobreeze travel podcast. And I am most commonly on Instagram, where my handle is also geobreeze travel. And if you guys want that email template, to get a whole bunch of free upgrades. I'm going to give that to Lane to put into the show notes. It's at geobreezetravel.com slash download dash gifts. And if you go to the website, it's going to pop up anyway with a, hey, do you want this thing? Sign up for it. But I'll put it in the show notes for you too. Yeah, we'll put it at simplepassivecashflow.com slash credit card. And if you guys like this stuff, check out Tradeline Hacking, simplepassivecashflow.com slash tradeline. But have fun with this, guys. Don't get in trouble. But remember, your highest and best use is like you get your guys' day job. I know you guys. Unfortunately, you may not like it, but it beats flipping houses and having a second job. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you guys next time. This website offers very general information concerning real estate for investment purposes. Every investor situation is unique. Always seek the services of licensed third-party appraisers and inspectors to verify the value and condition of any property you intend to purchase. Use the services of professional title and escrow companies and licensed tax, investment, and or legal advisor before relying on any information contained herein. Information is not guaranteed as in every investment there is risk. The content found here is just my opinion and things change and I reserve the right to change my mind. Above all else, do your own analysis and think for yourself because in the end, you are the only person who is going to look out for your best interests.